Rebecca Ashton here with another episode of the Horse Podcast. Today, Chris Hector is having a chat to Robert Dover. Robert has been at the forefront of American dressage for over 30 years. He competed at every Olympics from 1984 to 2004, winning 14 bronze and a WEG bronze in 1984. He's been the technical advisor to the American team since 2013. Robert's list of trainers is just extraordinary and it's played an enormous part of America's success and the depth of good talent the country has today. He'll let you know who's on that list. Um, Chris and Robert discuss judging through the ages and how the public loses with the new three-horse team policy and the risk to our art of change for change's sake and why riders as a group should be consulted first before these changes are all put into place. Um, He talks about the role of media in the sport, and that's us and others, mainly commentary though, um, why Isabel gets the marks that she does, and also he touches on life outside of dressage. And what does Robert have in common with Bob Hope and Cher? Listen up. So, reading the internet, it would seem that dressage is in this unprecedented crisis where judging is totally out the window and we need to replace the judges with mathematicians and clever telephone apps to measure the movements. And Is this true? Well, first of all, I would say that we're not in an unprecedented crisis. We've had <laughs> I would lots say of them. We have had crises since the first day I can remember competing in my first international competition in our own minds as a collective group. We've gone through so many things over the many years where we've thought, oh no, this could be the end of the sport as we know it, or what's happening with judging. Uh, I can remember once in 1988 in Seoul, Korea, saying to a, someone like yourself, to a journalist, how are how is the public supposed to understand how those scores are being given when the riders themselves don't even understand how the scores are being given. And Mr. Nigley back then was the head of the ground jury and overheard me was standing about two meters away and came up and said, Robert, you know, that's not very helpful. And I said, but Mr. Nigley, it's the truth. So this is 1988. Okay. What I'm saying is that we go around in circles many times, both literally and figuratively Mm -hmm. it's the nature of maybe of our sport but in the end the conversations that end up creating big changes like the one you were just alluding to normally just stay as conversations and they they catch the attention more and more of the media because we're so much more of a minute-by-minute kind of uh, 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 transparency with with media now because of the internet. Every single thing that is something that I would say to you, instead of taking a week to get into a magazine or a month, now takes one minute and it's published, right? Mm. And then there's the conversation. So uh, I would say that the conversations are all fine. It produces more and more possibilities. But in the end, I think that common sense prevails. 
I mean, do you like any of the proposals? Do you like the discard, top discard, bottom? It's not. Idea? It's been done before. It doesn't make any difference. It won't. It? it won't change anything. It won't. It won't help the sport, as far as I can see. They've looked at it. They've tried it. Uh, it's been put in other sports, taken back out of them. The same to, together now with the thing that we're going back to three riders. Morgan. Um, this isn't something that's new. No. We've done it in my sport. It's not been in the jumping sport and certainly not in the 3A eventing sport for which they're up in arms, the Avengers. But in our sport, my first year in 1984, we had a three-man team with the reserve. In Beijing, they had a three-man team with the reserve. Look at the results of it. Um, where it's happened that then one horse falls out, there's no team. Some people think that's an awesome thing, and I say it's a, it's a pity. The other part of it is that for countries who have wonderful horses in great numbers, sadly, the sport, when you go to an Olympics where you expect to see the top horses mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and riders of the world, you're going to see one less from countries such as the United States, Germany, Holland, Sweden, Denmark, for those countries that can produce two teams, possibly, mm. would have three riders. And again, one thing goes wrong, and they're out. Yeah. So I, I think that, in, in my opinion, this was once again something that they're thinking is now we'll see more flags, but will we see quality, the top quality, and also will the more flags even be that easy to create because you still have to have all those countries have the minimum score thresholds even to qualify those riders into the Olympic Games. And we've seen that before where Brazil, for instance, there was a time where they couldn't even get the 364s necessary mm -hmm. to, to qualify. So I would say that, in my opinion, I wish that we would, uh, as a group, be heard a little stronger all the time before measures were taken by the FDI that could have a detrimental effect on mm -hmm. the sport. And, and on the other hand, if the truth is that we are so close to being thrown out of the Olympic family, which is what we're always told, mm. right? So most of the things that, that happen within the sport, within the equestrian sports, happen when we're told that if they don't make huge changes to the formats or the formulas, mm. that we'll be thrown out of the Olympic family. That goes back now a long time. Mm. Mm. And I can remember after the London Olympics, suddenly we were really good children again in the because the, the tickets were sold so well and we, it was such a great result in so many different ways but then you go four more years and then suddenly we're in serious trouble again with the IOC and then the FBI comes to us and says we've got to make huge changes otherwise we'll you know there are so many that are waiting to take our place within the Olympic family
And we should dumb it down and make it shorter well, and get rid of boring stuff like Holtz and Rainbow. Exactly. And make, make, make changes that are not necessarily in the best interest of our art mm. and our sport at the same time. And, um, and, and also, again, see possibly more globalization and yet less quality where does where is that line that's I mean, what at least it's not dangerous like in the event and it's just distasteful in the or embarrassing yeah do you like the idea of the putting in the 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 movements of the curb beforehand and having them assessed on Katrina versus yeah, difficulties. I have I have no actually no problem with that. I mm-hmm. think that uh, I think that having a floor plan go in before if they do it right and if also the are you okay with that? Mm. If also the people who are doing the commentating on television would do a better job than what they do and make it more exciting by the way they handle themselves. Because if you look at American football, for instance, Mm -hmm. those commentators were football players, football coaches. It is fun to watch, even if you're not a a huge fan of the sport itself. It's entertaining, it's fun. Most, uh, when you watch equestrian sports, the commentating is so quiet and so boring yeah, yeah, yeah. that unless you're already a big fan of the sport you're watching, I don't think any of it has done that great. Not, not in the jumping and not in the dressage. What happens if, like I remember at Las Vegas, where Carl came in on his little horse and there was still so much smoke from the 15 millionth rendition of Viva Las Vegas that its escapado started to sneeze. Yeah. And he had to make an instant decision to go from cur one more difficult to cur two well, easier. Yeah. You you listen, you still can make these decisions when you're in the ride, and that's the same when a skater is in the middle of their skate and they decide that in the air they're not going to be able to pull off a triple and they do a single sorry guess what there's a deduction there so actually that is part of the to me the excitement and the fun of it you have to live up to what you say you're going to do in the arena and stuff happens but that's the same exact stuff that happens to a skater while doing their freestyle they it may be for different reasons but whatever loses the attention and concentration, and in our case, between the rider and horse, not just between the person and their feet and their skate, um, that's part of, for me, the exciting fun of it. And so I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually like it. And do you think, I mean, my feeling is that the sport's suddenly in a much nicer place than it was five or ten uh, not just ago, that, the, but it the, is the harmony, without the, a doubt, and I think actually the judging, honestly, has been at, at the international level where you see championships. I haven't had a, found as since I would say back to Lexington, Kentucky, mm-hmm. was the last time I found some really, really poor uh, judging results. Uh, you know, and and maybe not 
Yeah, some difficulties with it. I had real difficulties with some of the judging back in Lexington, Kentucky. I'd had, you know what? Or Isabel could have cut a few lengths. Our sport, no matter how you break it down, is a who beats who where sport. Mm -hmm. So when when a rider has done extremely well but has never beaten in the shows going up to it another combination mm -hmm. it's still going to be very difficult for them to overtake the that combination and yeah should it be that way no, probably not but I I still was very very proud of the result there and very excited and and since then it's gotten closer and and certainly uh, the World Cup provided her a chance to overtake her but uh, you know when but then the two with between Isabel and Laura but Laura had certain technical things that Isabel just does not make mm -hmm. you know she she does not leave a, a line out she doesn't veer one centimeter no less a meter off of a center line when she turns left or right at sea so these are points and they make up the same number of points as some other fantastic trick right mm -hmm. so uh i think that this is where now laura's really been on her game and we'll see how it pans out here in aachen and and now for the future for next year for the I mean, world equestrian games you were always a quiet classical style style of rock. i had great trainers <laughs> yeah, so who, who was helping you uh, my my trainers were from Colonel Bank Youngquist, who was our Olympic mm -hmm. coach since I was 15 years old. Then I had great trainers. I had Willie Schulteis, Reiner Klimka, Herbert Rabin, George, Taylor Esco, um, you know, so, and Klaus. Like I mean, it's right. I, I had very few trainers in my life. It just so happened they were probably the finest trainers of the last 100 years. Mm. And yeah. it was kind of a long career. So it was a long career. Yes, I, it was a long career. I had, you know, I don't even know how many Grand Prix over so many decades of riding. When you do six Olympics in a row and seven World Cups and and all those World Championships in between and so many Nations Cups on so many different horses, too. I wasn't like a, a rider... That I wish I had been able to be a rider that took a young horse. Faderlike was maybe the one that I went from three years old to 12 years old and then sold him to Ireland. But most of the others were horses that people were not working well with at like a medium level or <laughs> St. George or whatever. And then they said, hey, can you just take him and see what happens? And okay and then next year i was on a team with it and then i would be on the team for that year and then they'd say now can i ride it <laughs> so <laughs> so that was my career though america seems to have missed out on that nasty spectacular style of dressage that that while europe started to go in the way of the you know the huge waving trots and dragging mm -hmm. along behind yeah. and the sweat all over the poor things the Americans don't ever seem to have fallen for that line. I think that we and the British probably are very similar. As a matter of fact, we were maybe ahead of 
the British by about a decade as far as getting into the medals, and that was mm. back at Sydney. Um, and then you have great, wonderful people like Carl and, and many of the, you know, Emil and some of the others that have had super careers, and they found their, their style and their winning style that next decade and then went to the top. Mm. Uh, how long you stay there is about having enough depth. And of course, when you've been in it as long as I have, you say, okay, I know exactly what the formula is for winning a medal. Now my job, which has been this last five years with America, is to create the opportunities that produce a pipeline of constantly rising stars to follow up and help Laura to achieve that next medal. So now we have Olivia that's mm -hmm. come on through and was third in Rotterdam. We have, um, of course, Adrian back on another young horse here. It's only a nine-year-old horse coming into the Grand Prix here, but a superstar horse, Salvino, for the future. And quite a few others. We have 20 combinations in Europe this this uh, summer. But that's been amazing because for a little while there you were 50% imported Germans. Yes. To strengthen your team, right. which was obviously. Of course, of course. Very and good. But now you're really doing it on that young talent we, that you brought through in the States. We're bringing them along, and, and I'm so fortunate to have Debbie McDonald with me, and she's just an awesome, awesome trainer and coach, and we're. Mo almost all of the time, Deb and I, if we're within six meters of each other, one of us are about to say something, the other one is saying it. <laughs> That's how close we're tied to each other, both from the in our brain and in our hearts. So she's amazing, and our other coaching staff going down to our littlest kids have all been close friends and colleagues all the way through the Olympic level. And um, so this is how we, we've done it, that we're, we're a very tight-knit group with uh, a strong pipeline. And now next year will be my last year doing my job. Somebody else will move into that job and keep that very strong momentum going Jack toward the I'm Olympics. I'm to believe that, do you? You are, you are going to... It's like it, I've retired know, from the I know. Team. The only person that's retired more times than me would be like Bob Hope or Cher. But, but uh, no, the next year will be my, my last year doing this job. And then, you know, I will still have a sort of a, a foot in the door with things that I want to do with kids and because uh, I, I want to help a lot of kids and uh, to have possibilities that they might not normally have. And uh, so I, I intend to do that privately. Have you always had an awareness that the whole of life is not encompassed in a 60 by 20 arena? I can remember being yes. at a World Cup press conference where your horse went lame and, uh, and remember the American well. press were about to all go out and collectively commit suicide <laughs> and you went, hey guys, Bobby Dolber can't ride in a horse show. 300 people just got bombed that, in a building that's right. in it, Oklahoma. That's exactly right. We're not Get curing real. cancer. And I thought, it's not hello, like, yeah. this guy's really perspective. got some perspective. Yeah. I have a whole different life as well. And 
we, Robert and I, have been together. This is our 30th year together. I read it in George's book. Yeah, and and George actually introduced us. He's yeah, sitting, yeah. you know, he's sitting up there watching dressage right now, George Morris. And he comes religiously to watch the mornings of the warm-ups. He's the greatest guy. I love so, you. You don't have to convince us. Yes, yes, it's nice to see you. My wife, Rosa. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I, we have a life that's filled with friends from New York and from all over the world and we do so many other things. It's been this summer has been a summer where I sold we sold our, our summer home. And because we sold our summer home, which is in Fire Island, Robert wanted to make it up to me because he knew that I loved that house. So he said, Oh well, we're gonna go to, on vacations, we're going to go to Tel Aviv and we're gonna go to Mykonos and we're gonna go back to New York to the island and stay with friends. And now, honestly, I went. I was home last week, and I said, you know, Robert, I know that those are great trips, but all I really want to do is be home in Florida with the dog between my feet and you. And I don't really, not you between my feet, but you, you know, that we could spend, go out to dinner here and stuff like that. I don't really need to go on another trip. So we canceled those uh those vacation trips because now I've just been traveling back and forth and back and forth so much that I'd just rather be at home. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, my friend.